You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome in to the latest episode of the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you joining us as always. It's Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst. At arrowheadpride.com. That is I with me, my guy Matt Stagner at StagDSP on Twitter. Letting me bring it in this time, Stags. You know, you're just trying to switch it up. Uh yeah, we're just we're just getting into it. It's a beautiful day, a beautiful Monday here in Chiefs Kingdom. Stags, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Just trying to keep it out of structure over here. You know, I can't get do the same thing every stick week. To the name. Out, of, out of structure. We, we, we stick to the name, Stags. We, uh, the more time goes on, I, I, we are as out of structure as it gets uh, among the uh, podcasts that you listen to, you beautiful people. But that's what we're here to do today is talk, and we're going to p- talk about the Chiefs because we're, we're, we're a week away from preseason football, Stags, although we did see some preseason football. Uh, the Hall of Fame game, we, we did get to open up with. Awesome. We got Chiefs football uh, on Sunday, uh, this upcoming Sunday at noon against the Saints in the Superdome. That first preseason action. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about, Sags. We got training camp practices to recap. Uh, it's been a couple weeks now since we last talked. Any uh, you get you excited about the preseason game? Just how you feeling as we are, we're getting a little closer and closer to the uh, season. A month away, actually, yeah. from today. It always sneaks up on me a little bit. It doesn't feel like it's quite that time yet. It seems like camp should be longer than it is, and maybe it maybe it's because it used to be longer before the some of the rules that have gone in, in into play, but. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, plenty of plenty of Chiefs news to talk about, or at least to speculate on. And we have another new game for everybody. We're going to try out this week called Check Raise and Fold, inspired by uh, uh, my unsuccessful uh, poker game that I, I had <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. I so, didn't even ask you about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I should have checked. Hopefully, in. this one's less costly for me. We'll say it that way. <laughs> yeah, a little less stakes. Although, our, you know, these takes are out. You know, they're out there forever, Sags. We can't take these takes back once we once we put them out there. Um, yeah, no, that, that is the case. You know, it, it, it's funny you say you know Cam might be flying by or it's creeping up. If you if you ask Pete Pete Sweeney, uh, the editor in chief at the site, uh, Camp is dragging on, man. It, it's hilarious listening to his camp reports. Uh, you know, it it's been a long camp. It has uh, just because they started earlier than all the other teams. And so it is nice to finally be able to get to some some actual broadcasted uh, Chiefs football in a in a real game setting. Do, you, Stags, do you enjoy watching preseason games? I do. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think anyone who who doesn't enjoy watching it, um, you know, I I think I think you got to check yourself a little bit, guys. It's football. We, we we need some football in our lives, 
you know, it's it's the warm up. OK, it's a little appetizer, but uh, you still learn right. something and you still get the you know, you still get to see like the new players in the uniforms, all that. I, there's a lot to well, take away. I like watching all the way to the fourth quarter and seeing some of those guys that are just long shots and, and getting getting their getting their time because you never know. Right. Right? Yeah, exactly. No, I exactly. I think there's and we've seen guys ball out kind of late in games and all of a sudden be guys. I mean, Jody Fortson was balling out in the fourth quarter of preseason games once upon a time. And so it'll be exciting to see down in the Superdome what we get. But Stags, we are a Chiefs podcast. And so, you know, as every Chiefs podcast probably should start with, uh, you know, as we get into our topics, we're going to do a little concern level check in here on on a few little things. Uh, And and I say little, uh, that's that's not the case. Uh, Chris Jones holdout is the big thing here. We are, uh, you know, 13 practices into training camp and he has not shown up. Uh, there's only five left, I believe, and you know he's racked up the fines, fifty thousand a day at this point. It's you know that's what you know seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars in fines that he has racked up. Oh man, Stags, what's the concern level at? I mean, you know, I I, I think the more time goes on, I th- I think the the level just rises, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like me when I went to Mizzou and and I was racking up uh, parking tickets. You know, <laughs> maybe not quite to this level, but I I did. I do remember getting to graduation and then saying you can have your diploma once you pay off all your outstanding <laughs> parking tickets. So their deadline prompts action, I think is what I'm getting at here. Um, I would have thought the deadline was around the first preseason game, though. So I, I'm starting to get worried. I am too, man, because they obviously got to this point for a reason. The, the Chiefs wouldn't have gotten this deep into the the offseason of not getting this done uh, because they were going to trade him or they, they didn't want to sign him to an extension. They, they want to get this done. Um, so, you know, to me, that, that makes me think, you know, obviously Chris Jones is is playing a, you know, a little hardball wanting to get what he feels like he deserves. And he's, you know, uh, definitely, you know, he's, he has the right to do that. So to me, it's just it's surprising me that the Chiefs have kind of not uh, boxed maybe yet or just kind of said, all right, you know, we want you here. We'll get you what you deserve or maybe get you closer than than we initially offered. But, you know, maybe Chris is just. You know, he he feels comfortable that, you know, I can hold this out as long as possible. And and as long as, you know, I'm there by week one, I'll, I'll be I'll be good and, and I'll get my deal. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like the, the longer it goes on, the longer we may not get a deal. Yeah, week one would be the graduation day in this uh, in this scenario. You don't want to be pushing your luck. Right. Like so I, I think there's a uh, I, I don't know. I think the longer it goes on, the the bigger chance there is that the team is just not going to pay him and they're going to say you got it you have one year left you're either playing on that or you're going to sit out uh which you know he's not going to be happy with and then uh he's getting the tag or getting or getting out next year it 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 very i'm seeing that more and more as a possibility than i did you know two months ago even i thought for sure that they would have a deal in place by now well and we have precedent that of them to kind of you know maybe surprisingly go into the contract year of a player um you know i think we all kind of figured orlando brown jr may get a contract last year and and that ended up being i think we all kind of you know think the right decision um this is obviously a lot different i think chris jones is a much different level talent and uh you know there's a little bit different of a reputation with the team uh you know he's been here a long time he's one of the you know the longest tenure players on the team so yeah, I, I think we've seen the precedent of the team, you know, standing their ground on how much to pay someone. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, last time they got away with it because it was early enough in the offseason where they could trade him away and get assets in terms of Tyree Kill. 
they're kind of into a corner where like you're not going to get a great return if you trade him right before the season. I don't think. I mean, I know we've seen Khalil Mack get traded before the season, uh, you know, in years past, and get. I think they gave two, three first round picks. You know, I don't know if teams are doing that now, but it, it, it does seem like yeah, it's either he gets the extension or he's playing on the last year of his deal, and you know, we're probably saying sayonara next off season. I don't. I don't see a trade. A trade just doesn't really make sense at this point. Yeah, I mean, because there's not very many teams, if any, that could take on his salary this year. So they would have to have an extension worked out, uh, you know, in the process of the trade. So it's there's a lot that would have to happen for that to make sense. And, again, on the Chiefs' side, you know, you've got a player that is, you know, all pro and has said he doesn't want to play for any other team. So you're really – you're not going to replace that guy. Uh, definitely not at this point in the season. Definitely not for this year. So there's not – they're kind of in a bad spot, I think, if if uh, if they wanted to really play hardball. Uh, this is not really the time to do it, it didn't feel like. Well, and and, and here's my point that I've been making. Uh, you know, if you've listened to me in spaces, if you read my article that many of you did read and and, and let me know about it in a, in a, 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 a you know, critis- critical way, which, hey, I, I appreciate – you know, and I, and I do want to say on that on, on the article kind of centered around Mahomes' comments about his contract recently. You know, yeah, I, I, I probably didn't emphasize my point enough. And, and my point here is that, you know, you talk about the hard ball negotiations, you know, Mahomes maybe or I, excuse me, Chris Jones, uh, you know, pushing the envelope, pushing the limits on on how much he can get in this negotiation. You know, if the team wants to have him, which they clearly do, we've just gone over that part of it. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have got this deep in the offseason if they didn't. At some point, you know, you're not just going to let him walk because he wants a few more million. And to my knowledge, and and I believe Mahomes thinks of it this way as well, Mahomes signed that deal for instances like this where if there was just this little bit of of margin that that they're that they're not getting they're not they're not closing right that that Chris is asking for more than the team wants to pay you don't you're not paying as Patrick Mahomes as much as he's worth in this year and the year after and the year after so you can maybe afford that two or three or four million a little more um, that Chris Jones is maybe asking for you know that's that to me that's that's how it should be looked at um, I, I get that. The team isn't just going to pay every single player that does, that's up for a contract, and they haven't. So, like, I've I've I think they've done a really good job of of maneuvering the cap in the Mahomes contract. But it's clear that Mahomes wants Chris Jones here. We all want Chris Jones here because we're all smart and we're smart people and know that how good he is for the defense. And I think the team knows that they need him here and they want him here. So, to me, it's just the team's got to balk at some point. Just give him the deal, and I think. I think the whole reason you gave, you got Mahomes into this awesome contract a few years ago where he's got this extension and all these restructure mechanisms, it's so you can afford these extra dollars that maybe you didn't want to pay Chris Jones uh, you know, uh, initially. But you, you can because Mahomes is getting underpaid for what he yeah. should be paid. Yeah, and, and if, they, if they're not willing to do that, you got to wonder what's the point. What was the point of that? Of that yeah, contract. I mean, obviously that's a little facetious as the point of the contract is to keep the best quarterback in the world in Kansas <laughs> City for 12 years. But, you know, there there's something to be said for that. I mean, I, I do think that there's, you know, if he left any money on the table, uh, he didn't leave it there for draft picks. You know, I mean, it, it's really there for for deals like this. And, and he's, you know, Tyree Hill was almost irreplaceable. They found a way, but they largely found a way because Mahomes could compensate for it. Right. If 
Chris Jones is just as irreplaceable on the defensive side, and there's nobody that can compensate for it. And and now uh, we can kind of go on to our next topic, but uh, Charles Amenahu was just announced with a six-game suspension. That would have been part of the theoretical solution here is to say that um, you've got another interior pass rusher that can help uh, alleviate some of that pressure. Well, at least for six games, you don't. So there's not uh, – there's not a plan B here. Plan Plan A, B, and C are Chris Jones plays for the Chiefs this year. Yeah, and and the defensive line really needs him because especially with the Omenihu suspension right out the gate, you know we're talking about a lot of young bodies on that defensive line, a lot of inexperience uh, on that defensive line, especially at the edge position. You know, you're talking about Karloftis, um, the FAU, the rookie. Mike Dana obviously is, is the experienced one of the group, but he's been dealing with a, a knee injury, uh, a calf injury, excuse me. Um, he just got back into practice today. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides that, it's Malik Herring, it's BJ Thompson, it's Joshua Kane. You know, it's, it's, it's guys that, you know, you don't usually see on a football field, uh, you know, on, on an active roster, um, you know, playing a lot of snaps for an NFL defense. Um, so that's where it is a little concerning at the beginning of the season. The back end is going to have to really pick up uh, the defensive line to me. Um, I, I really feel like, especially you watch, you see that first that week one game. If I'm a betting man, I'm I'm taking the over right now because I think the 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 Lions' offensive line is very very good, and the Chiefs' defensive line may not be ready for that challenge right away. Especially if Jones doesn't you know get kind of back into the swing of things uh, sooner uh, sooner than later. You know that, that that's the kind of thing that you know it might be a struggle early on in the season. Um, you know to 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 really get generate pass rush with just the defensive line to hold up against the run. You know, many as much as he's not much of an edge rusher right now, he's, he's the pass rusher inside, but he can hold an edge. He's, he, he can, he can be hard to block on the edge. That's valuable, you know, against the run obviously. And, uh, and they're going to miss that. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's a little concerning for sure. Um, but does that at mean they're going to, sorry. At what point do you think, we worry about Chris Jones's ability to to be ready and stay healthy for the season if he doesn't have if he doesn't have any training camp. I know, right? It's it's a good question. Like, you know, you trust a guy is going to stay in shape and like especially someone who wants to prove he's, you know, worth, you know, if he doesn't get this deal, right? He still wants to get paid next offseason. So, like he he understands that he still has to be ready to go right away, so you know, it, we probably shouldn't be concerned. He's an he's a professional athlete, um, and he's been around long enough. But I they just think their shape and their football shape, right? And and it's yeah, you know, it might be different by the time you know between him working out at home and being in camp or being in practice. Yeah, and Saint and Saint Joe, I think you I think you do build a, some character that I don't think you can build just on your own. You know, kind of a uh, you know working you know maybe you know with a few other people. So I think there is something to that. So yeah, I, I think. I think we it may take a few weeks for Chris to get in dominant, dominant shape. And that might not look good right away in, in week one, to be honest with you. We will see. It's definitely some concern on both of those guys. I think Amenahu's suspension is another topic that's kind of been annoying uh, on social media because I think a lot of people wanted to act like this was somehow a surprise to the team, that, that all of a sudden that, that Amenahu was, oh, my gosh, he's suspended. That changes everything. I, I saw some takes saying – well, now they're really going to have to give Chris Jones some extra extra money. Chris Jones's uh, salary just went up by three million dollars because Omini he got suspended. Well, first of all, all due respect, but uh, the Chiefs knew very well that Omini was going to be suspended. 
before they signed the deal with him, before he was brought into town at all. Andy Reid confirmed as much today. They didn't know the timing or the length of the suspension, but you knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. Uh, just because we had kind of forgotten about it, we had been lulled to sleep a little bit on 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 this deal. Doesn't mean that the team was. Uh, but how concerned are you about his absence again, with or without Chris Jones? Right. No, I, I, that's the thing. It makes sense. Maybe why we didn't see them because I thought one way that maybe without Chris being in camp, they may start using Omenihu more as that three tech because. You know, he is he does kind of have the body of a three tech. He's just a little lighter than a typical defensive tackle. Um, but they, they we did not see that. And maybe that's just because they knew, all right, we're not going to have him, you know, kind of early in the season anyway. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter to train him at the position. Chris, you know, is going to be playing and, and, and probably be, you know, back back in good shape, you know, at least by that that sixth week. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. Again, I mentioned like the, the thing we're mainly going to miss with the many who's inside pass rush. I think him and Jones together, honestly could be the most disruptive interior rushing duo on a pass down in the NFL. Um, they, they really could be uh, together just because Chris Jones is that dominant. And then a many who is good enough to really take advantage of any time he's one-on-one with the guard um, more than a lot of other guys would in his situation um, as that uh, second interior rusher. So you know, that's really what they're missing. Um, again, I, I think they're going to miss having his body on the edge because they're just going to run out of bodies uh, early in the season, especially with guys like, you know, rookie, like a rookie FAU, you know, Malik Herring is still kind of learning, uh, you know, he's in his third year, but he hasn't played that much. So I, I think that's that's where they'll miss him is just kind of being a body on the edge, giving them another guy to kind of get in there and, 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 and you know, take on blocks on the, and run. But man, that pass rush, it was going to be fun to watch him and Jones together. Now we're not going to be able to see that until at least week seven. Hopefully we see it then. <laughs> that's that's all That's all we got to say. All right. Fingers crossed. Well, again, uh, I was thinking this last weekend, I was playing some poker with the guys and we, we saw, uh, we came up with this idea to play check, raise, or fold on Chiefs takes. So we're going to throw out some different takes that you've seen probably on social media or out in the news about the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll say, are we check, uh, meaning we still need to wait and see what happens? Are we raise? Are we raising? So are we willing to bet on on this uh, this being true? Uh, are we going to fold and be just out on this idea, uh, disagreeing with it entirely? So check, raise, or fold. For those of you that play cards, you'll know what we mean. But uh, we've got about a dozen Chiefs takes here. Then we're gonna check razor fold on whenever you're ready, Ron. Yeah, let's start off with with the guy that that the the highlight of camp, just everyone's favorite name to talk about at camp, and for good reason, man. You know, it's 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 hard to ignore. Justin Ross, the second year wide receiver, the undrafted free agent from last year, turning heads and and to bring us into this uh topic, check razor fold. Patrick Lillis actually had a, a question. Justin Ross, real deal or another hyped up preseason Chiefs player? His college tape was so good that you've got to think it can translate, but do you keep his potential over another wide receiver's reliability? And so that's just another way to, to kind of say, are we are we buying into Justin Ross? And and I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm I'm raising, I'm raising you stags here. I'm 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 here. Uh I, I did not think I'd get here before uh, uh the first preseason game. But it's just hard to deny at this point, man. Um, he's he's playing in the, with the starting offense, uh, not exclusively, but a lot. Mahomes is targeting him all the time in team periods and seven on sevens, um, and 
And here's the thing is, is we haven't seen that type of receiver in the Chiefs offense, but we've seen the Chiefs try to force that type of receiver into the Chiefs offense. And it's something that, you know, it's easy to overlook, but you look back at 2021, this team gave Josh Gordon like 10 plus snaps in like 13 games or something crazy. Um, and, and that's a wash, Josh Gordon. You know, I think I, I, as I've thought about this more stags, I think what I've come to uh, conclusion is that I think this team wants to have this kind of receiver in their arsenal. It's just a luxury to them. And they don't want to actually maybe like if they're investing in the receiver position, they're investing in versatility guys that can do a lot more, you know, that can, that can maybe, you know, do the jet sweep stuff a lot more and, and, and be quicker in that sense. And, and, and cause Ross is a very, you know, he, he's going to be, you know, pretty one dimensional on the perimeter. Um, uh, you know, for his size, he can do uh, quite a bit, but all that to say, maybe this kind of receiver is a luxury. Maybe they just try to develop it with a Kelvin Benjamin, a Josh Gordon, and now this is their next flyer, you know, a, a guy that obviously has the talent, but we're going to take him, you know, as an undrafted free agent. And we're kind of seeing it work. And what it gives the Chiefs offense is another guy that can be isolated on the outside that Kelsey does a lot. You know, they have Kelsey as that X receiver quite a bit. Um, it gives them another guy that Mahomes can just throw it up to when everything's covered and he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't really have somewhere to go. Because, you know, MBS isn't that guy. You know, Sky is a smaller frame. He, he's going to catch tight windows, but he's not going to go up and get it. You know, Mahomes could use someone like that in the receiver room and it might just be Justin Ross. So the more I think about it, man, the more it just feels like I could see how he fits into the offense. And now that he's pretty much on the 53, if you look at all the projections, you know, they're going to use him. So get ready. I'm, I'm, I'm in on it. Are you, so you're raising, are you all in here? Is it, is, are you a hundred percent? I might as well be, man. I might as well be. I'm, I'm, I'm just falling into it. I'm, I'm take me, take me Justin Ross. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> Well, I've been a little reluctant here because I, I do like the potential of the player. Obviously, the college film is, is something else. Um, but, you know, it, it was going to take a lot for me. I, I was probably checking on him up until about the last week or so. My only concern now is the is the numbers game. I think the top six wide receivers are 100% locked in. I've got Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, MVS, Richie James, Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice. Not necessarily in that order, but mm -hmm. if all those guys are healthy and on the active roster, they're going to have to carry seven wide receivers to get Justin Ross on the roster. Right. They don't usually do that. Now, I think Pete's prediction um, or, or some others I've seen have them carrying seven on, on day one and then putting Kadarius Tony on the injured reserve to return, mm -hmm. uh, which you can only do after carrying somebody on the – the initial 53 man roster. Uh, I could see that scenario, but if Tony is healthy and ready to go, it's going to be a tough numbers game there. So I'll, I'll call your raise here, but, but I don't feel great about it yet uh, until, until I see what happens with Tony and see if there's actually a roster spot for this guy. Cause I don't see them cutting any of those other guys. Yeah. And, and it's a good point because half of my confidence in the raise is just that, it, to me right now, it, it, he is on the, the first 53-man roster because they are going to do – I think Pete has a great point to how they're going to do it. You know, they're going to they're gonna not uh, keep Blake Bell, right? They're going to they're gonna cut him. Um, but he is, a, uh, he is a veteran, a vested free agent. So he's someone that doesn't have to go through wa waivers, can come back on the practice squad pretty easily. Um, or I, I should say that even the 53-man roster, but I actually think they could just keep him on the practice squad. I don't, I don't see why not. I don't think any other team – um, is really looking for a Blake Bell nowadays. So Tony goes to IR. 
now you only have six receivers on the roster, including Justin Ross. And now you can bring up whether it's Blake Bell, whether it's maybe an offensive lineman, um, you know, like a, like an Austin Ryder, um, you know, maybe he's someone again, like that vested veteran that, you know, can be initially cut, but then brought back on the roster, just depending on how they, how they cut it down. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I do think right now it's mainly because it just seems like he's, he's got the spot on the roster. I, I, I just don't see them not having him. Cause I, I, I do think Tony's going to need some time. Um, I don't, I, the fact that he got injured, you know, five seconds into, you know, before practice even started just tells me there's no reason to rush him back. Shoot, you know, put him on IR and, and, and really just see how it goes. And if, if the offense is humming, let him get all the way, all the way, all the way back, you know, where he's, you know, 10 times over ready to roll. So that's where I see Justin Ross kind of naturally just making the team. And if he's going to be on the team, he's going to contribute in some way. And, and I think some of the ways I mentioned, uh, you know, being isolated on the outside, um, you know, being that guy that while the teams are doubling Kelsey or the safeties are shaded towards Kelsey, he can be that one-on-one guy that Mahomes can just throw up, uh, you know, when Kelsey's double teamed. So that's, it's, there is some, some use to Justin Ross in the offense. All right. So we've both bet on Justin Ross, one more enthusiastically than the other. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see if we're the same about undrafted free agent, Daenerys Prince. Uh, I think at this point, he's been the talk of training camp uh, other than Ross. Uh, he's a guy that is very solidly on the 53. Uh, assuming they keep four running backs, he, he's on there. He's also the number one kick returner. Um, but he's really been working in, in the passing game, uh, at least from what you've seen in camp as well, right? So he's somebody that uh, you know is going to have a role on this team. So are you – checking, raising, or folding on undrafted free agent running back Denick Prince. Right. I, I think the you, you do kind of have to tweak this in terms of like, you know, what are we checking, raising, and folding? Because, yeah, he's on the team like you mentioned. He really is. Now, you know, I'm going to raise that he is, you know, a, a play, you know, a contributor on the offense. I, I really do. I bet on it. Um, I really feel like he has shown enough as a pass catcher crazy enough at you know at his size of six feet 216 pounds um he is he is look he looks like a receiver half the time um going up for back shoulder passes uh you know uh again like going up for it in the end zone i've seen that multiple times in training camp um and i think you're seeing the chiefs use him quite a bit uh because they want him i think andy even mentioned this they want him to kind of get down the pass protection stuff the pass rules so he can be comfortable in that setting like on those plays and all in all plays, right? Not just when it's a pass to him or, you know, when he's running a route, he can also stand in there on a pass down and, and block as well. And, and, and so I, I, I'm raising for sure. But uh, in terms of, you know, he may not like, you know, come out and be the leading touch guy and like, you know, uh, be the best running back in the room right away or anything, or uh, the most productive, but could definitely, I mean, he, I'm definitely raising on the fact that he's going to be a contributor in the offense. And and I don't think any of us would have said that, you know, when they first grabbed him, obviously. Yeah. He's on the roster. If they keep four running backs, he's on the roster. If they keep three running backs yes. uh, at this point, um, you know, he, he, he's going to be part of this team and yeah, they're giving him every opportunity and he's done nothing but impressed so far. So yeah, I, I think, I, I think I'm raising on him as well. Uh, I think I told you, I even drafted him in a, uh, in a dynasty fantasy football league this weekend. So I, I see man. him as somebody with a, with a future uh, and a future with this team. All right. How about this quote from Albert Breer and, and some others? 
are you going to check razor fold on the idea that the chiefs now have the best duo of offensive tackles that they've had in the Mahomes era? I'm out. I'm, I'm throwing the cards down. I'm, I'm, I'm folding here. Uh, no, yeah, no way. Uh, I, I just feel like we're disrespecting Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher with this report. And, and that's the thing. Albert Breer of sports illustrated is, supposedly telling us that this is how the team feels that they have the best offensive tackles since the Mahomes era and or in the Mahomes era. And, you know, maybe that's because, you know, the combination of the two, um, you know, you feel really good about both of them combined, you know, cause Mitchell Schwartz is obviously the best of the, of the four players in debate here, but man, I just, you're disrespecting my guy fish here. Um, I think, I think Mitch is obviously the best player. And then I think fish I'd man, I'd take him. I think he's more proven than what we've seen from Jawan Taylor right now, obviously so far in his NFL career. And I think, I think him and Donovan Smith are very similar um, in terms of their career trajectory. But I mean, for what Eric gave, for what Fisher gave this team uh, in, in 2019, you know, from what I've seen our 2018, 2019 in the Mahomes era, man. You know, I it, it's definitely them. Uh, I, you know, we haven't seen it enough in Donovan, and he's you know he's it's he's, he was injured last year. But man, I don't know. I it, to me, it's crazy that that this is a, a report. Um, you can be confident in the offensive tackles without disrespecting my guys, Mitch and, Sh- and Fish. So that, that's how I feel. All right. Well, I'm gonna check on this one. I'm. I think there's a, a wait and see factor here. And and to me, it's partially about the the room as a whole and not so much just the starters. If you said this is the best offensive tackle depth chart that they've had, when you factor in the starters and the backups, I think you're you're a little bit closer uh, to being right. I think Wani e. Morris and and Lucas Niang and even Prince Tega will no go. I mean, you've got some some serious depth uh, at, at these positions that you haven't always had before. And, and I do think I saw this quoted somewhere else by another offensive line guru. If your worst offensive lineman coming into this season is Donovan Smith, you've got a pretty damn good offensive line. I'm paraphrasing there, but I think there, this offensive line as a whole has a chance to be the best unit that they've had starters and depth. So if Donovan Smith is playing well, I, I do think he's on par with Fisher in, in his prime. And I think Jawan Taylor has an opportunity uh, to really impress at, at right tackle. He's on the upward arc. So uh, I'm not going to give it to him yet, but but I'm going to check because I kind of want to wait and see. I think they've got a shot. Um, are you going to check Razor Fold on Sky Moore as not only – obviously he's on the roster, but not only as a productive receiver, as taking the next step. I'm going to say Sky Moore as a more than a 1,000-yard receiver – and a high volume, big part of the offense, legit fantasy football draft pick, all, all of the above for Sky Moore. Uh, you can hear it in my voice. I'm raising on this. I, I'm betting on Sky Moore. I was doubtful last year. If you asked me this last year at this time, I'd have folded uh, before you finished the sentence. Uh, this year, I think, you know, he's starting to turn that corner. And he's got every opportunity in the world. They want to give it to him. And I think he's he's going to be a very reliable target for this team and just going to get a lot of volume. So as we talked about, a 1,000-yard receiver isn't what it used to be. If he averages 58 yards a game over 17-game season, uh, that's 1,000 yards. I think, he, I think he gets there pretty comfortably uh, this year. 
given what we've seen in camp so far and given the fact that Tony isn't healthy, I think Skymore slides right into that volume left by Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and some of the things that Tony was going to do. So, yeah, I, I am with you on the, the volume part of it. And, and so that's where I, I know Sky is going to get that. I know Sky is going to be a future part of the offense. But I am going to check this. I'm going to check Sky being that 1,000-plus uh, yard receiver. Um, you know, maybe like you were kind of mentioning all those kind of accolade things, you know, kind of being the true breakout. I think there's a chance Sky can lead the team in targets and receptions and still may not like truly break out in some people's eyes. Uh, you know, I, I, I so I still want to wait and see on him, you know, truly, you know, breaking out as, as a, like a dynamic, you know, threat, you know, dynamic receiver that, you know, other defenses are, are fearing and, and, and having to make a plan for, um, you know, and, and but, you know, again, the a thousand yards thing. I mean, that's that's more attainable than you think. But again, no receiver on this Chiefs offense went over a thousand yards last year. No wide receiver. Um, and so, you know, there's a chance that Sky, you know, as much volume as he gets and everything, he's still not as featured as, as maybe we'd like to see. And 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 still it's more spread out. And so that's where I'll, I'll check this. But, you know, hey, I'm, I want to be I want to be raising this. And, and, you know, I might be playing. I might be kind of. You know, I might be kind of uh, playing into the fact that, uh, you know, we're playing a game here because um, I want to support my guy Sky breaking out. But I do want to be realistic that there's a chance he could be a, a really, you know, awesome, like, you know, take a huge step forward and still not maybe like truly, truly break out. I, I think there is like a middle ground that, that we could see there. I'm seeing a check raise here from Ron. He's going to he's going <laughs> to check this around when it comes back around to him. He's, <laughs> he's going all in on Sky Moore. All right. What about Rasheed Rice? And not just Rasheed Rice, again, not just on the roster, not just, uh, you know, a solid player. But specifically, what about Rasheed Rice as a slot receiver? You wrote about this topic. Uh, let's hear your take. Is Rasheed Rice the next slot receiver for this team? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely raise that he is, he can be he can be a, a good slot weapon for this team, a team that, you know, a lot of times, you know, in recent years, they've they've weaponized guys like, uh, Tyree kill from the slot, you know, a lot of times, you know, Travis Kelsey, obviously is, is someone that, that is weaponized from the slot. McCole Hardman, uh, obviously they, they no longer have, they, they have been kind of having to, you know, maybe find a different way to utilize the slot position. And, you know, we've seen them, uh, you know, this, and, and, you know, the last few years as they've kind of gotten a better offensive line for run blocking, you know, one thing we've kind of seen and, and a lot of offenses starting to do this in, in, in today's NFL is, is kind of use that slot receiver, you know, if he if if he's able to be big enough, uh, you know, they've used that Juju Smith Schuster has used it like this at times. You know, use him as a as a kickout block, you know, in, in the run game or, or as a guy that's gonna wrap around and 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 cut off a linebacker on the second level. You know, they have the size to do that. And Rasheed Rice is is that kind of player to me. And it's something that differentiates him from Sky Moore and uh uh Richie James in terms of the guys of right now that are available to play the slot. You know, Rasheed has that build where you know, if they're kind of maybe in a more run heavy script or just, you know, in, in general, you know, looks that are maybe, uh, you know, they're maybe wanting to run out of more, you know, Rice is the one that they're going to be able to trust to, to do those kind of kickout blocks that, that Juju was doing, you know, at times last year, you know, even Byron Pringle, if you want to go back a few years, you know, they, they, they would use him in that situation at times as well. They, they like kind of having, you know, that, that dirty work receiver, you know, Justin Watson does it, uh, you know, at times too, but but Rice is a rookie, and 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 this is just where it could get him on the field quicker, and then he can maybe use his that, that could kind of uh, you know get him in a position to use his his ball skills, you know, not his blockings. 
skills. So, so yeah, I, I definitely buy into the fact that Rashid can be a slot and, and his size is maybe one reason why. Yeah, I'll, I'll argue that the Chiefs don't really use a, wide, a slot wide receiver in a traditional sense, uh, and I'll say it as a slot only. Um, they, they don't do that. I like Rice's ability to go up and get the ball and go down the field uh, a, a little bit on the outside. I do think he, he can be a ferocious blocker. I think we saw highlights of that uh, in college. I think he's got that ability. So you can use him all over the field. I think a, a big slot will be part of his role. So I guess I'll check this uh, take mm-hmm. just because I think it's part of his role. It's not his primary role. Um, but I, I think he they're setting it up to where he can do a little bit of everything for this team. And I think that's a very, very good thing for his outlook. Well, yeah, no, I will say one thing I, I, I probably said it on the pod is, is that, you know, Rice may not play right, right away as much as a guy like Sky because Sky was able to do the jet sweeps, the kick return, punt return. There was ways to kind of just get the ball in his hands naturally um, that maybe Rice doesn't do. Well, we saw in training camp, he, he with the starting offense, he took a jet sweep from under center, Rice did, and, you know, went 50 yards for a touchdown on, on you know, during one practice. So I think they are willing to use him, you know, maybe in some ways that I didn't think they were originally. So that is good for Rice. I think we have time for one more before we go to break. Uh, are you going to check, raise, or fold on the Chiefs' number one defensive end, their number one edge rusher being George Karloftis this season? Uh, are you going to check, raise, or fold on his outlook? Well, man, you know, because, you know, if you put it just as a number one defensive end, you know, he will be. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, he will be the team's number one defensive end. Now, will he be the team's number one pass rusher or edge rusher? I should say, excuse me, best edge rusher. That's where, uh, you know, I, I, I will check um, because I do think I, I've seen some improvement from Karloftis in terms of uh, his 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 fluidness um, and his speed rush, getting around the edge, dipping his shoulder, um, you know, in, in, in his speed rush to kind of actually, you know, get into the pocket more around the edge. That'll help his bull rush as well. But he still does not have the catalog of, of moves, like just naturally, that Felix and Udike Ozama has. You know, that's one thing I've noticed at camp. You know, you get impressed with George, kind of his technique, but then you see Felix just pull out a move, you know, a push and pull that, you know, you don't really see George pull out as much. Um, and that's just something Felix is doing in one of his first days of practice. So, you know, to me, I think Felix still has a chance to be the team's most feared edge rusher uh you know as the season wears on um so that's where i'll check um but carloff is definitely going to lead the group in in snaps i mean he, he pretty much has to yeah i mean i i under underestimated him last year he, he certainly outperformed that and was on a hot streak to end the season so whether that was just a a good run that he had or that was the new normal for Carloftis having a sack a game coming down the stretch um is to be seen so yeah we'll check on this one but i I think it's more likely than not that he is your best pass rusher and your, your best defensive end uh, again with uh, a wait and see on, on a Menahue's status and, and where he plays more of his time when he comes back. Cause I think that could factor into that decision. So with that, uh, let's take a break. We still have some more check razor fold when we come back on the out of structure podcast, uh, make sure you stick with us, but to get, take us to break as always, Ron's got a piece of Chiefs trivia for us. All right, y'all. I am a Chiefs player currently trying to make the team. I am a former first-round pick that became a Brett Veach special last offseason when I was signed to the team. Yet I only played one game last year, but you could not miss me out there. And again, I'm I'm, I'm on the current team fighting for a spot, and, uh, you know, 
I, I think I looked a little better this year. I, I look a little, uh, a little in better shape. Let's just say that some <laughs> analysts have reported. So uh, that's that's you, the hint. You gave it away at the end there. I I, I thought it was going to be challenging. Uh, we'll we'll answer that question when we come right back on the Anastrusher podcast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. This is Matt Sagner here with Ron Cop Jr. As always, Ron's trivia question as we went to break was about a current Chiefs player that was a Brett Veach special, former first-round pick trying to make the roster, who actually only played in one game last year. So this, you know, I think most people were like, oh, you're talking about Kadarius Tony until you got to the last part of that uh, uh, only one game last year and then the the fact that he's in better shape than usual. Again, I think that gives it away that this we're talking about big Danny Shelton. Uh, yes, sir. The, uh, the fullback uh, Danny Shelton, uh, as we saw in training camp, somebody's got to run hungry pig. Uh, so, so I, I'd love to see Danny Shelton on this roster. I'd love to see them continue to use him uh, on offense for fun here and there as well. Uh, yeah, I, I should have really thrown you off by saying I've been featured in the offense this camp and, and really seen where, where your where your head goes. Uh, yeah, no, and that's real quick. I'll just say I I, I kind of made a note that he's pushing for the roster to me because he looks in better shape. He honestly, to me, has uh, you know made some plays uh, with the second team defense uh, when I was there at times. You know, I think Derek Naughty does need to uh, to look out a little bit, um, make sure he he kind of keeps his spot because. You know, they brought Danny in for a reason. He's been in the system for a year now. He might be in better shape going into this year. And, you know, there was nothing about Derek Naughty's tape last year that, that uh, you know, secured him a spot. So I, I think mm. there's still a battle to be brewing there, even though Naughty is guaranteed his full million. So I know that's always kind of weird there. Yeah. What's a million dollars? Hey, um, let, staying on the defensive side of the ball, getting back to check, raise, and fold. Let's talk about this take. The other big name uh, that, that's starting to see some – some positive feedback in this uh, training camp loop. Uh, Drew Tranquil, uh, the linebacker formerly of the 
The uh, Chargers has really been turning heads, and they've got him doing a little bit of everything. Uh, he, he's playing all the linebacker positions, doing all kinds of stuff. You, you know that he's a coverage guy. You know he can blitz. But uh, the, the take here is Drew Tranquil will lead all of the Chiefs linebackers in snaps this season. Check yeah, raising I'm, the gold. Yeah, I'm raising it. Um, I, I think a lot of people would check this uh you know like like someone like like pete you know i've I've heard him be pretty cautious about saying that you know drew is going to be in all these spots but you know to me spags has made it pretty clear that he really trusts drew already and you know it makes so much sense that he's going to be the dime linebacker which boom you know that's the only linebacker on the field in those formations so right then and there you have a leg up on the rest of the group and snaps if he pairs with nick bolton in the nickel defense which him and gay have kind of been going back and forth i think they might be doing that situationally where Tranquil might be in the nickel on more and pass downs. And then Gay is more of the rundown guy. Cause I think Gay does is a better run defender at this point. Um, but I think he will play plenty in the nickel. Boom. You know, that's, a, you know, majority of your snaps is, are in the nickel. So if, if he plays plenty in the nickel and is the dime backer to me, that, that gives you the lead in snaps uh, right then and there. And so that's kind of my logic here is that he's going to be the dime linebacker. And he's going to earn Spags trust enough to play other spots on the field as well. Um, and so I think he does end up leading the, the, the team in linebacker snaps by the end of the season. You've almost convinced me here is you're like the guy at the table that's like talking and trying to goat somebody into calling your, you're all in. Uh, I, I'm actually going to fold uh, on this take. Uh, I think Nick Bolton is still the guy that leads the, the linebackers and snaps. I think he's still the, the core uh, of this defense he's going to play in base he's going to play uh on a, a lot of snaps he's still going to be amongst the the league leaders and tackles uh he, he'll be on the field more than the other guys i think tranquil cuts into gaze snaps a little bit more still uh than he does bolton so we'll see you made a good case for it you had me you had me leaning on my step and then i did then i fold so, uh i'm i'm, I'm folding, but uh i may live regret that one yeah, no, I, I there is still a chance that, you know, in the in the nickel, uh, you know, that Nick Bolton, um, you know, maybe with Willie is more of that that, you know, it's it's them for the most of the part. And then Tranquil really is only the dime linebacker and then it's just more quality depth for the rest of the guys, because we've seen them like Ben Neiman. You know, that was kind of what he did. Right. He was only the dime linebacker. He didn't play any other position as a starter. Um, and so, again, Tranquil is a better linebacker than Neiman, I think you know, Tranquil deserves to play more than Neiman did. And, and I'm actually excited about Tranquil, uh, you know, uh, and won't be cursing his name. Hopefully we don't know that. I, I guess that for sure. But yeah, so I, I do think you, you have a good point that there's a chance he's a dime linebacker. He makes a huge impact on the team, but he still may not be the line, the snap leap. All right, well, let's do, uh, let's do Matt Bushman as a, as, as, as a check razor fold on him making the team, because he has been a guy that I've highlighted multiple times now in my camp coverage, um, to me, uh, you know, I, I'll start. I'll, I'll start. I, I am raising that Matt Bushman's going to make the team um, over Jody Fortson. I, I will say it. I, I think uh, I think the NFL stands for not for long. And if you mess around and and you know uh, don't get on the field for too long, stuff like this can happen. And and you can just hear it in the Chiefs' coach's voice, especially Matt Nagy, that that they really like Bushman and that they they think there might be a future with him um, in the Chiefs' offense. I mean, one thing that Nagy said is that he 
he doesn't drop passes or he catches everything. And and I've been at four practices and every time I see Bushman, a ball go to Bushman, it is getting caught no matter how far out in front, no matter if he's reaching out with one hand, he, he does catch everything. And one thing I've noticed with Jody Fortson uh, in my limited camp viewings of him this year, even though he did get hurt is he was having some inconsistency in, in drops and, and, you know, even a guy like the Athletics, Nate Taylor, uh, you know, wrote in his uh, in an article at some point that, you know, Jody Fortson had inconsistent practices in OTAs. You know, it, it, this is kind of a bold prediction because Jody, I think, has, has carved a, a role into into this offense. But I think that role he's carved is is one that Matt Bushman can fill as well. And so I, I think if Fortson doesn't get back on the practice field soon and and maybe prove his worth again, I don't think Bushman's lasted through waivers. So I think the Chiefs understand that they might just have to move on to their next guy for that third tight end role. Fortson's going to get Wally pipped here. Is that the uh, kind uh, of yeah. deal? Yeah. Fortson is, could be, he could end up being one of those guys who you, uh, you know, was just always almost good. It, it was always potential. It was always never quite got the role, always got hurt. There was always something, you know, he's the Tony Moriaki of, of uh, this generation, maybe. But I, I'm going to check on this one. I, I'm not I'm not totally there yet with Bushman. We'll, we'll see. Uh, he still feels like a practice squad type player to me, uh, given the, the depth chart that the, the Chiefs already have here at, at tight end. But uh, so I'll check. I need to see a little bit more before I make that call. Yeah, and I, and, and I definitely get that. Um, the next one, though, I want to I want to talk about. Uh, we want to talk about is kind of, you know, some a thing the defense is doing, uh, you know, in terms of their formations, maybe switching it up a little bit. You know, one thing I've noticed is we're seeing when the cornerbacks, when there's three cornerbacks in the defensive formation, which is the majority of their snaps, right? We're seeing Trent McDuffie move into the slot and Legereus needs to stay on the outside rather than Sneed move into the slot, which has been the case for pretty much his entire career. Um, he's always been that slot defender when the Chiefs are in the nickel or dime. And so, Stags, to me, what we're asking here is check. we're checking, raising, or folding on the fact that this is the best usage of, of these guys, of, of, of the cornerback room in general, is, is not having Steed in the slot. How do you feel about it? You know, I like the fact that they can have a lot of players in the secondary that are interchangeable at this point. I, I think there's uh, a lot to be said for training camp being the time to move people around, put them in different roles, do different things with them. Uh, but – I'm going to buy this one. I'm going to, I'm going to raise, I think not saying that this is the best thing, but I think this is probably what's going to happen. Uh, I think Trent McDuffie, you know, he's on his way to being the best corner on this, on this roster hands, like all across the board, hands down. Yes. Sneed is your chess piece that can, you can do a little bit of everything with, but it sure seems like when they go to those sub packages, uh, this is the way it's going to go. And, and, uh, and I do think, I, I do think that that'll probably continue I, we can hope that it's just a little bit of experimentation and training camp, but uh, I, I, it sure feels like it's going to stay this way for a while. Well, and we saw it towards the end of last year. Uh, you know, they started to move McDuffie into the slot more and have Snead match up on the outside with the DK Metcalf or Cortland Sutton, you know, kind of a bigger bodied receiver. And he has, he, he does have the size and athletic profile uh, to be a great outside corner. But to me, you know, he's not a great outside corner and, you know, especially going into his contract year, you know, I don't know if this was something that maybe he said, look, I need to play more outside corner to prove myself, uh, you know, as a free agent next off season, or if this is just all team oriented, but Hey, I will say this might be a way that Snead comes back cheap because I get, I really don't think he's going to give uh, teams much to uh, get excited about as an outside corner 
if he really is just kind of pigeonholed into that more this year and doesn't get to use kind of his playmaking skills in the slot as much this year. It is interesting because they did try a couple of times last year to have him following the other team's best receiver. And, and that's the one thing that gives me a little pause here to say, maybe they do love him as just your pure shutdown outside corner uh, at, at times, it, but it feels like it should be matchup dependent. So it, it shouldn't just be automatic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how that, that plays out. All right. Well, uh, I got I got this one here. I think this is the last one, Stacks. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, but Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I, I do want to talk about him in this in this segment we're doing here. Um, are we are we buying or not buying into the fact that he is going to have a role in this offense? Because I think if you ask a lot of people listening, a lot of people on Twitter, you know, he's not going to even make the team. A lot of people think. Um, <laughs> I I am one that projects him to make the team as a fourth running back, but. I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling about him actually having uh, some sort of role in this offense? Would you would you buy him, uh, you know, kind of actually, you know, being a part of the, the team or, or selling it? You know, I, I've been a Clyde guy for a long time. Uh, I, I like to think I'm pretty consistent in that fact that he was a productive player early in the season last year. He was a productive early down running back. He was productive as a receiver. He was great in the red zone. Uh, he was a big part of this offense early on in 2022 before he got hurt. But when he came back, he couldn't have been less a part of the offense. Um, he was, you know, uh, more or less a healthy scratch by the time the Super Bowl came around. So, you know, I, I think we got to check and wait and see on this one. Uh, at this point, I, I think he's going to be on the roster. I think he's going to be active. And I think he's going to get a lot of carries and receptions early on in the season. But the more we see out of Deneric Prince, the more he becomes a, a role player for this team. With Isaiah Pacheco healthy and Deneric Prince coming on strong, Jarek McKinnon, you know, being Jarek McKinnon, this is a crowded room. And, and if there's a guy who could take a back seat to some of those guys, maybe there'll be some games where Clyde's a, a healthy scratch again. And, and they just, again, play it by matchup or play it by hot hand. So we have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I, I think that is fair because I think the running back position is just one of those that, you know, you think you know, you know, how it's going to look. And then, yeah, one injury or, you know, one little thing that happens here and all of a sudden, you know, the other guy's getting the, the bulk of the carries and we're all happy about it because he's because he's hot. Um, you know, I, I think that's the thing with Clyde is is I it seems like in camp they are really, really, really hammering Daneric Prince in with the the starting offense when they're specifically doing pass down work when they're when they're doing seven on seven when they're when their team drills are are focused on the pass game. But you'll notice when when they get in the run periods, it's still Clyde getting the the primary carries. He's still the one kind of leading all of the all of the running backs in carries. And to me. I think that could tell you that he does have a role in this team may not be a pretty one, but we could see Clyde really just kind of be a, a, a snap eater, a, a kind of really just like a, you know, get 10, 15 touches a game just to save the legs of the other guys that they may, you know, be more excited about later in the season. You know, I mean, maybe that is the case. And, and if so good for Clyde, he's going to have a role with this team. He's going to have a chance to show out. Um, but you know, I, I think you had a really interesting point about, you know, uh, how, you know, if Prince is kind of that pass down back, maybe, you know, maybe Clyde isn't, you know, the one getting 
inactivated sometimes like some people may think. Yeah, maybe it's Jared McKinnon. I mean, if, if McKinnon right. is, the, is the passing down guy today and Prince is developing into his, you know, backup or, or maybe maybe a better version of him, a younger version of him, especially early in the season, would, would it be such a bad idea to put McKinnon as your game day inactive and save him for later in the year, put him on ice and see what the kid can do and, and you know, use Clyde as your workhorse uh, early on and, and uh, with the assumption that coming down the stretch, you'll have a healthy McKinnon and a healthy Pacheco uh, to, to lean on and, and Prince, you know, being, being part of that rotation too. I, I can see it. And I can see Clyde or uh, McKinnon being inactive and, and neither of those things necessarily being a reflection upon how the, se- the team sees them or a reflection on their status with the team coming down the stretch. It could be all part of the plan. It could be strategic in nature. Yeah, no, I, I but I do think it's, it's, it's a, I, I think Clyde's going to be on this team in 2023. I think there's a lot of people that just are very quick to just be like, Oh, there's no reason for yeah. him to be on the team, especially with Prince emerging. No, I think, I think you're going to okay. see plenty of Clyde. So. All right. I'm going to squeeze in a couple more here real quick. Uh, one A Morris, is he the, is he winning the swing tackle? job he's is he the number three offensive tackle check razor fold i'm raising he is working with the first team uh like they do with nick allegretti in spots just to get him work i think it's pretty clear niang does not do that so i'm raising it i'll raise as well does that push niang off the roster i think that's something we got to think about uh because because niang is not necessarily a swing you know a swing offensive tackle and I think they like Prince Tega, uh, Winogo. No, it's an interesting point. Um, I've thought about that too. You know, Niang is in the last year of his rookie deal. There may be some contractual stuff that might not make it worth it to, to get rid of him. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Prince Tega, Winogo is someone they've liked. They've used on the second team at right and left tackle. He's played uh, on the, he's played actually in an actual game for the Chiefs before. And he's probably someone that maybe that yeah right that maybe he could uh, sneak he may be able to sneak into the pra- onto the practice squad um, maybe not maybe not maybe I'm I'm over overreaching there but he was on the practice squad at times last year I think Prince Tegawanogo they may be able to feel good about him being the fourth tackle but not actually being on the active roster yeah there's definitely a, a lot of good options for this offensive line as I mentioned before I think they're deeper maybe than they've ever been so. Uh, last one with all this talk about Chris Jones and uh, Charles Aminihu, uh are you check raise or fold on the idea of the Chiefs adding a defensive end? Oh, I'm I'm folding, man, and it's because you know, and 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 I I did not you know I, I forgot about the Charles Aminihu suspension uh, you know for a while in camp. Yeah. I was I was you know it definitely hit me a little a little uh, you know surprisingly, but I still think. This team likes the depth they have. You know, Malik Herring is someone that plays inside and out uh, both ways. He can rush from inside and he can he can hold his his own on the edge. He's been in the system for three years now. Um, he had a redshirt year his first year because he was hurt. Um, I think he's that fifth defensive end, and 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 they can feel good. Well, he you know fourth obviously uh, with Omeni who's suspended. But then you guys ha- you you have guys like B.J. Thompson who I know we'll talk about in a second too. But I just feel like they have enough of an investment at the bottom of their edge group that they're they're not going to want to sacrifice one of those guys to bring in Dunlap. I think they'd rather just or you know any other free agent. I think they'd rather just roll with what they got and and let these guys learn on the fly. 
Yeah, I'm going to check on this one because I want to see how those young guys do in preseason games. Uh, if if B.J. Thompson – I mean, you got a couple of really young guys there. Like uh, with, with B.J., with, um, you know, with FAU, you need to see them on the field against NFL competition before you feel any kind of comfort level about them being in the regular season games. Um, you know, we, we've seen Herring a little bit. You know, I, I think he's somebody who, who can be solid but not not spectacular. Um, and, you know, Josh Kando, again, I haven't seen much from him that, that would indicate that you'd be super comfortable with him. So I think I think we got to see how it goes in preseason. If, if, if you find him lacking in the first couple preseason games, uh, then, yeah, I think you've got a couple guys on speed dial. Yeah, and then that's the thing. Pete predicted Carlos Dunlap. He is still out there. Uh, we saw Justin Houston get signed recently, so I, I never thought that was going to happen. We've talked about that, I think. But, but I, you know, Dunlap definitely seems to be the logical thing. And and here's the other thing, guys, is that they probably can't do that until a Chris Jones extension because they don't <laughs> have any money. Um, uh, so. Chicken or the egg there. All right. Well, real quick, we do have a couple more of your mailbag questions. Uh our, our guys always come through on Twitter. Uh, Jake Wilson at Jake for now. True or false? Justin Reed is older than Legarius Sneed. Go with your first answer, your first instinct on this one. I mean, yeah, it seems like Reed would be way older than Sneed. Like, not even close, right? Like, it wouldn't. Yeah, I I was just judging by the context of the question that this is probably surprising. So then I said, well, I, Sneed's older. So we looked this up. Uh, there's actually only a month difference. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, but Sneed, but Sneed is the older one. All right. Uh, Jake's second question: Chris Jones mega deal. If it gets done, then is it the final season for Justin Reed and or Legarius Sneed? In unintentional rhyming aside, you think you think they'll be able to keep Chris Jones and both of those guys? Yeah. So. I get what he's getting out with the Justin Reed thing. Um, Justin Reed does have another year under contract after this one, but I, I believe there's a, there's an out that is reasonable um, for the team to, to get out of if they want to, but I actually don't think they will want to. I think this team values the safety position enough to where Brian cook is going to take a step this year, but I think they, I think, you know, they, Mike Edwards only is on a one-year deal. I, I don't think you want to lose both veterans, uh, you know, uh, in the same off season next year. So, I, I think Justin Reed's here pretty much no matter what. I think they're going to let him play out his contract. But Sneed, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I do think him playing outside corner actually may lower his value on the open market because I don't think he's going to be mm-hmm. very good there. Strategic. Um, yeah, there we go. I, I mean, yeah. honest, I mean, it's not, that, that's not the reason why, but I can tell you that I just really don't think he's going to be as useful to the defense or to any NFL team as just a strictly outside corner. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a chance he sticks around just because of that. Um, but I think the Jones deal is probably going to push that out of realism. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I think Snead's probably on his last season here. I, I hate to see it. I, I'd love to see him stick around, but there's a lot of reasons why you'd maybe hesitate to give him a, a big top-of-the-market contract. I think that that knee, knee swelling cropping back up is is probably on the yeah. list of reasons you, you, you'd think about it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Our guy, Black Elf 19 if Chris Jones' extension does not happen – Will Brett Veach use that money to keep Trey, Sneed, Bolton, or will he invest in free agent defensive linemen to replace Chris Jones? 
Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen him use or invest in free agent D linemen uh, in the past, uh, Brett Veach, but you know, the Frank Clark deal was during Mahomes' rookie contract, um, so it is a little different. Um, but you know, you do have to pay someone on the D line because that's a very important you know unit to be good at, and so I, I do think you'd probably see so you know at least one pretty hefty investment on the D line, which would then beg the question: Why didn't you just maybe pay a little more for the the guy that's probably actually worth the money? Um, and Chris Jones, but no, I, I, in terms of the other three guys, you know, I I do think it's pretty safe to assume that Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey are going to be here long-term. They're going to get extensions done pretty much as soon as they hit next off season. Um, cause that's when they're eligible. Trey Smith though, you know, I, I do think he might just have to be the, you know, the sacrifice, uh, you know, of that kind of this 2020 class, uh, 2021, excuse me, 2021 draft class. Um, just because you can't pay everybody, guards you know the chiefs have made a living out of making guards replaceable even though we just saw them have tooney you know pay tooney big money um i don't think they're going to be paying big money to guards uh especially if center if they're paying their center so trey's probably going to be the one on the uh that gets sacrificed to me uh, i'm, I'm kind of already at, uh, anticipating that yeah i tend to agree there it, you know they're going to have they're going to have some flexibility in 2024 that's why i think the, the extension should get done because they can still make some other moves around Chris Jones. I'd much rather go into 2024 with Chris Jones in the bag than Chris Jones hanging out there again or having that having him not be on the roster. So um, I, I think there's – if Chris Jones doesn't sign, I think they've set the precedent that they're just not going to re-sign top-of-market players. And so yeah. it, it could mean that, that Creed and, and uh, Bolton may, might not get uh, the deals to stay in town because uh, – I don't know that we've seen very many deals other than Patrick Mahomes in the Brett Veach era that would make you think, huh, you know, the chiefs are going to pay the top guy uh, on the market. So it would give me pause there. I think, I think you're right on the priority. Uh, but I think if they don't sign Chris Jones, it, I'm not going to be that confident that they're going to sign Creed or Bolton or any of them. No, that is a good point. Um, because yeah, I, I think Creed would will absolutely be able to go to the table and, and ask for the most money any center's ever made. Um, you know, Nick Bolton, I don't think he'll have that same sort of leverage, but he will have pretty dang good leverage saying, Look, I've been your Mike linebacker um, pretty much since I walked in the building. Um, because you know, even in his rookie year with Hitch, I mean, we all knew Bolton should be playing over him. Um, that's interesting. Um, you know, the, the one thing I'd say is, it, you know, if, if they don't sign Jones, but then sign these guys at the top of market deals, that is backwards to me in terms of you should be paying your top of market, you know, pass rushers, your top of market receivers, your top of market quarterback, you know, the money they probably asked for the positions like interior offensive line, you could say, you know, inside linebacker, those positions are in theory uh, ones you can, uh, you know, find, you know, replace, I guess, easier um, in theory. Um, but that's not me saying that I wouldn't want Creed and Nick Bolton around. It's just more that it would be backwards because I think I think you'd rather overpay for a really good pass rusher than, you know, not pay him. And then, you know, I, I would say overpay for a center linebacker because I think you could pretty much make it work with lower investment at those positions. That's right. All right, let's get some training camp notes and we'll kick it off with, the dude's question, how's Keandre Coburn looking so far? We haven't heard much mention of him. Yeah, uh, he is. He He's part of the rookie thing where you saw with Felix that they're they're taking him slow. Um, Felix had a better excuse. He missed all of OTAs pretty much uh, recovering from a surgery 
Um, so I, Spags kind of mentioned as that that's the reason he was starting on the third team most often. But Co- Coburn was as well. Coburn was on the third team to start uh, camp. He's moved his way up um, a little bit. And one thing I've noticed, uh, you know, because obviously he is this 330-pound nose tackle from Texas. He's known for his run-stuffing ability. Uh, we all have kind of projected him to maybe compete with Derek Naughty at that one ta- tech position. But the thing is, uh, you know, uh, in my last visit, I did notice uh, they were willing to line him up in the B-gap as well as that three-tech. Um, and, and so he may have a little more versatility to him than initially thought. He may, you know, he may be a little more Colin Saunders-ish than maybe we wanted to give him credit for at first. That's the thing, and and I don't know if you've been following any of the Saints stuff, but it's hilarious listening to all the Saints players talk about Colin Saunders because they're like, man, I've never seen a dude that, dude that big, that wide move like that. Um, and Coburn's kind of having some of those same movement skills, and to me, that's that's really good to see because you know he he was a sixth round pick and just to be a nose tackle, but if he can be a little more than just a nose tackle, that's that's really good value uh, for the player he's going to be. So you've seen him doing backflips in training camp, is what you're telling me. Absolutely. Exactly. No, he, he, he's not. He's not blowing them away like that yet. Uh, hey, but you don't never say never, Stags. Never say never. All right. Do you have any final thoughts from camp so far, Ron, that you just want to squeeze in here at the end? Yeah, no, I'll just uh, Mr. Proctober also asked us a question uh, late on Twitter. So I squeezed it in. Is BJ Thompson going to have any sort of role? Seems like Joshua Kando may have taken a step and might take his spot. Um, first of all, I, I, I'll address Kando first. I really feel like the Joshua Kando, you've kind of heard him maybe playing more with the ones recently. I think that has been, first of all, a result of injury. Uh, you know, we've, they've been missing a few DNs, but also just that he's, you know, he's the one that's been here the longest out of all those reserve linemen. And they are trying to give him maybe his last final shot because he, it is his last shot. Um, I think BJ Thompson is going to replace him on the 53 man roster as that kind of last development edge rusher, the speed rusher. But yeah, I, I, uh, BJ Thompson, you know, he's not going to be popping in your team drills. I think he's just too raw of a player. But when you see the one on one stuff, that's where he popped to me. He was really stressing the offensive tackles in their drop, uh, you know, in their pass sets. They were really having to hustle to get back there. And they were, and he was beating them to the corner. He's really got that, that speed, um, and, and that, that, that lean kind of as he's running that, uh, that's going to be dangerous as a speed rusher if he can kind of, you know, develop a little more and get on the field in general. So, uh, yeah, I think B.J. Thompson, uh, he might be a game day inactive, kind of like Kando. You've seen a lot of him over his career. But I do think I'm, I've, I've seen some some good stuff that, that maybe we should be a little more excited for him than we were uh, or have a little more high expectations for him later on than Kando because Kando really never developed more than what he was. As a- All right. Good to hear. Any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up, Ron? No, Stags. I appreciate you letting me ramble on, man. Uh, I've been up to camp too much to not get all these takes out so i appreciate everyone listening uh and and we're just going to keep it rolling we're, we're getting closer and closer to the season looking forward to it thanks again for all of you for tuning in and sticking with us on the out of structure podcast make sure you check out ron's work at arrowheadpride.com along with the rest of us and tune into the the whole podcast network because we're we're back on on regular season schedule coming up soon and uh, you'll have lots of options to listen get your chiefs fixed with this team uh exciting things coming soon and looking forward to that first training camp uh preseason game we'll uh, uh we'll be back to discuss what we saw in that game uh on the out of structure podcast in just a couple of weeks so we'll talk to you then